Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff, where we're going to school you. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. Today we're going to school you. We are talking about online universities and jobs. Yeah. And, uh, the, the kind of, the kind of tangled web they weave, the, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of terrific benefits as well. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of information to, to, to sift through and some of it is misinformation. So, uh, consider this episode sort of a, a, a cautionary tale, some, some tips that you can follow to really kind of, um, make sure that the information you're getting is the most accurate and is going to be the most advantageous to you. And also keep in mind that if you're listening to this episode, in 2020, things probably changed. A little since, bit, since probably. We it. The inter- internet is likely to have changed yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those things. We're in this sort of transitory period where, uh, you know, business adopted the internet very quickly, right? Right. Didn't necessarily do it the right way when it first started. That's when we saw that dot com bubble burst. But they, you know, businesses kind of figured out how they could leverage the internet in a way that made sense. That that. Uh, bolstered their business and wasn't just like, oh, well, we have to have a web presence because that's a thing now. Oh, uh, right, right. But they really had the resources to do so at the time. Right. And, and it's kind of interesting because if you think about it, the internet started off as an academic, uh, thing. I mean, ARPANET, the predecessor to the internet, was a connection between computers in, uh, in, in, uh, universities. universities. So, um, the, the education and the internet have had uh, a link in a, for a really long time. But being able to use the internet formally in order to get a, a an education in the sense uh, of what we think about when you attend a brick and mortar university, that's a newer idea, and in some cases, uh, it can be a little treacherous. So that's why we wanted to talk about. It. So Lauren, you know, I know you looked a lot into the online education uh, side. I looked a lot into the online jobs side. Uh, so this this episode is going to be a little different than the way some of our previous episodes have been. Jonathan is going to be talking not the entire time for for nearly fifty percent of the episode. Yeah, I don't. Crazy. I, frankly, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. But no, actually, I do know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be asking you some questions, Lauren. He, he also brought some knitting for, I, for, I did. for the side. I did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, my purling has become phenomenal. And you knitters out there know that I know what I'm talking about. Size, are you sure that are, size eight needles, people? Size eight circle needles. So you know. What are, I'm you, are you sure? Are you sure purling isn't just a computer pun? Also a computer pun. All right. So now that we've got the knitting and, and computer computer language jokes out of the way, let's actually look at the the state of affairs in online education. So first of all, Lauren, do you have anything about the trend in online courses? Right. So according to a study done by the Sloan Consortium, which, to be fair, promotes online education. Uh, they, they, but however, they did the study in 2012 uh, that found that students taking at least one course online numbered above 6.7 million in the U.S. alone. All right. So that's so a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And and uh, I'm sure that a lot of this is students who are, in fact, attending a brick and mortar school and taking one specific course online. Right. However, this is a trend that's been growing since the early 2000s when universities began offering these online programs. And, and, and it became a little bit, uh, like you said earlier, treacherous, because um, as of as of 2008, a study found that there were 168 accredited graduate business schools and, a hun- and 212 fake ones. Gosh. So 
you, you, there are these fake schools out there that people could end up uh, sending money to or enrolling in in some way. And, you know, we also should say, like, there's there's another term for online courses. Uh, people call it distance learning. Right. The, the idea that you are, are essentially uh, uh, logging into some sort of um, educational resource and you are not physically attending that university. So – let me ask, what are some of the, you know, you talked about a fake business school. What are some of the dangers associated with this online coursework trend? Well, um, they're, they're called diploma mills because the, the general process of this is that you pay them for a diploma. You might take a test. You might take a tiny bit of coursework, probably not. And they just mail you a diploma and go, congratulations, you're a doctor. So this is kind of the educational counterpart to the Universal Life Church Online, that resource where you go, you fill out a form, and magically you're ordained. Oh, right, sure, except for the fact that you can, when, when you're ordained by the Universal Life Church, that can be a legal document that you can use. The educational degrees, degrees is in little floating quotey marks in the air, are not always... Um, Accredited, right? So they're they're not true credentials. Correct. They're they they are fake credentials from a fake university, frequently that has some kind of crazy offshore account and exists only to take your money and or to provide other scammers with uh with a method of getting a job that they don't necessarily deserve. Okay, so so so, I, so there's there's two sides to this coin, really. Gotcha. There's there there are people who are um, dishonest people who are using these services to obtain fake credentials, mm-hmm. and honest people who are being taken in. Gotcha. And people scammed. people who who legitimately want to pursue an education and potentially a career in a specific field. But really, all they're doing is handing money over and getting a sheet of paper that says, "Here's your." That's diploma. completely worthless. And and when you end up taking that to, you know, if if you get a high school diploma this way and you take it to a university, the university is going to say like that is not really a diploma. You cannot go here. Right. And or, or you take it or to, to an job. employer, and the employer says the same thing because there are lots of resources where people can check this sort of thing out. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's that's scary stuff. I mean, and. It's kind of crazy to me because I, I think this is just – it's a weird middleman because you would think if you're trying to scam people, you could just print up your own. <laughs> I guess you would technically be on like some some fake school's enrollment form. but You would and, and that's the thing that, that part of the service that these that these scammers provide is that, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a phone system that, you know, that an employer could call into. And if they don't really do their research, if they just call this phone number, then they would say, yes, this person totally went here. It is a super accredited school. Thank you. Gosh. Um, and so, so do you have any uh, examples of some of these crazy things that have happened with? Yeah, them? there's some terrible, terrible horror stories from from the news. You can you can look them up, and they're they're really sensational and wonderful. A lot of uh, a lot of websites have very much enjoyed, I think, covering these sorts of things. Mm. Back in back in 2001, um, one Gregory Kaplinger claimed that he had a medical degree. And got a whole bunch of uh, not just patients, but also investors on board with this um, AIDS and cancer treatment Gosh. Uh, research that he was claiming to do, um, wound up being ordered to pay more than a million dollars in restitution. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, I mean, you know, huzzah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, because, I mean, because as it turned out, he his medical degree was from the Metropolitan Collegiate Institute in Great Britain, which he paid $100 for a diploma from. So, I mean, think about this for a second, guys. We're talking about someone who was taking advantage of people who are, by the very nature of the disease that they or a loved one has, are an incredibly emotionally vulnerable state. And uh, that's also going to come into play when I talk in my section about online jobs. Uh, I 
Uh, I get really angry about a few things, and this is one of those things that I get exceptionally angry about, is the taking advantage of people who are at their lowest point when it comes to their emotional vulnerability. And anyone who, who is willing to capitalize on that, I just, it, I can't, it, I can't fathom that level of disregard for someone else's, you know, well-being. Yeah, th- this was one of the stories. This is one of the um the episodes in doing the research for it. Every time that I would come to the examples portion of any of these articles, I would have to brace myself. I yeah. I drank a lot of coffee today kind of to to bolster my own. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to you got to muscle through. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I I've decided to get off my soapbox until the second half of the show. So, uh, pray continue. Excellent. Um so, you know, he he was brought to justice, which is wonderful. Um uh on on the other end of it, um uh there there are stories about, you know, people who who were were, were were nurses who had never gotten their high school degree because they had dropped out for for very very visceral personal life reasons mm-hmm. um who decided to pay $200 or $1400 for a degree that they really thought was going to advance their life um to institutions like for for example and I haven't I haven't um confirmed whether or not these are still in operation but some names that were floating around uh a few years back include Belford University, Jefferson High School Online, um, Venser High School Online. And these, these places, you know, again, would, would take your money, ship you a diploma, give you a very basic online test, usually, um, claiming that you could use your life experience on a multiple choice test that, wow. that you could go back and, and if you got an answer wrong, it would let you go back and try again and give you a hint. Um, Gosh, saying that somehow that's the equivalent of the actual educational process, right? Um, and then send you a diploma, and 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 yeah, these people were these people were taken in, and and before you know they just wanted it so badly mm-hmm. that that they were willing to believe in this process because they you know they 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 needed something to be easy, right? Yeah, and again, that's another one of those things that's true on the online jobs as well, very much so, is that. It's that old saying that we've, it's become a cliche, but it is still true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So if someone tells you that, hey, you know, taking this one little online test is equivalent to finishing out your high school years after you dropped out, that's just not true. Right, right. For one thing, you, you don't have that experience of all the pep rallies. (laughs) <laughs> Those all important, all important pep rallies. There were yes. a lot of pep rallies when I was in high school. I went to way too many pep rallies. I was not very peppy, so it didn't speak to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was covering them for for my yearbook, so so I could kind of Daria over you in the corner with. Of course, I was on yearbook mm. with my camera and kind of be very aloof and above the entire thing. But, but okay, this is all. <laughs> but so you know, th- things to watch out for in these kind of things are are you know a lot of these places are registered through a service like Domains by Proxy, which allows which is a service that allows uh, the original registrant of a URL to hide who they are. Yeah. So um, if you do a who is lookup on this, you're not going to find a whole lot of information. Exactly. That's um, not a great sign. Never a good sign for anything, honestly, not only online education. Yeah, I mean, unless you're looking for some sort of proxy server, uh, <laughs> that's probably not a great sign. Yeah, not not a good sign of trustworthiness. Um, most of their physical addresses are outside of the U.S. or, you know, your home country of choice. Right. And uh, so which, which especially, I mean, the, the U.S. educational system is... A strange thing because it does not directly give credit to to colleges and universities as being legitimate, but mm. there are a lot of uh, a lot of smaller regional 
um, bodies that it does recognize as being official accreditors. Gotcha. So there's not like a centralized authority that is the gives the stamp of approval or disapproval. Right. But in but in any case, um, if you are talking about an online university that claims to be giving U.S. credit or claims to to have to be in the registry to give U.S. credit and its main office is outside of the U.S., that is a big warning sign. Gotcha. Um, and all of these things kind of also tie into concerns in the educational system about um, for-profit colleges. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen commercials for these, right? I've, I've seen commercials on uh, television. I've seen ads on like the public transportation system here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Uh, places like University of Phoenix. Yeah, that's the one that always I always see. And uh, so these are these are for-profit colleges. Right. Uh, right. As opposed to public schools right. or or even or even, you know, pu- private schools that are nonetheless educational institutions. Right. So this this is this is more of a, a kind of a, a privatized uh, for profit approach as far as uh, educating people goes. I, I honestly I don't know very much about it. What can you tell me about these? Well, OK, so so it's not that it's not that they are not educational institutions. They do provide uh, a rigorous coursework mm-hmm. um, through which you can earn a degree, um, which will, depending on the case, be accepted by other educational institutions and employers. I see. So if you were to go to some of these, uh, depending on the case, you might be able to, let's say, spend a year taking University of Phoenix courses and then maybe transfer into another school. And depending upon this relationship, those credits could be accepted as uh, as transfer credits. They they could be yes. So sometimes it depends. It depends on the school. They're mm. they're generally looked on, looked upon as being less desirable than an education from a non profit college. I gotcha. Um, brick and mortar college. Yes. Um. They're also they tend to be more expensive. Um. There was this terrific study that was done by the U.S. Government Accountability Office back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um in which they sent undercover applicants to 15 for-profit colleges. And um, uh, in, in terms of expenses, uh, for, for example, a student uh, who is interested in massage therapy, uh, d- d- not, not you know, a, an incredibly rigorous four-year plan, but, but just a certificate, would have cost uh, $14,000 at a for-profit college, and the same certificate from a local community college would have cost 520 bucks. Wow. That, that is incredible. And it would have cost a tiny bit more from a from a private school, however, not that much. I mean, not, you know, not fourteen hundred within the same range. Wow, um, that kind of that kind of shenanigans. And uh, also, they found that um, four of the colleges uh, downright encouraged fraudulent practices. Uh, it encouraged applicants to lie in order to get federal aid. Wow. Um, and all fifteen made deceptive or otherwise questionable statements to these undercover applicants. Yikes. Um, that's, that, that is not, that's not a, a ringing endorsement. <laughs> it's not. I mean, you know, st- stuff like, uh, like staff would tell the applicants, um, would, would inform the applicants that they would be attending, uh, 12 month year classes. You okay. know, you know, classes every month of the year. Um, but would state the costs for attendance for only nine months. Um, uh-huh. in order to mislead them about the amount of money that they would be spending. And so you would have a three month surcharge added on top. Yikes. Yeah. It just, I mean, you know, and, and this is kind of fay logic. It's just if you're not paying direct attention, <laughs> right, right. If you don't know to ask, lying if, to you. <laughs> if you don't ask the right questions, it's just like the genie. If you don't frame the wish just right, 
you're gonna get the worst end of that deal. Yeah, and uh, and other stuff like um once once applicants these these undercover applicants had registered with websites that are designed to link for profit colleges with prospective students, um, they began receiving phone calls within five minutes. Um, one of them received more than 180 phone calls in a month. Wow. Um, some after 11 p.m. So they were essentially getting harassed. Yeah. And, and just, you know, just not, not good stuff. And especially since enrollment in these for-profit colleges had grown from about, um, 365,000 students to almost 1.8 million in the several years leading up to this study in mm-hmm. 2010. Mm-hmm. It, it was something that the government was very concerned about in terms of just what kind of quality of education these students were getting and how they were being treated and whether or not it was it was worth their time or money at all. Um, I read another interesting article, one that you sent me, actually, Jonathan, mm-hmm. about um, a student's exper- experience at the University of Phoenix. And... Um, and it, and, it, and it didn't seem positive. Uh, now, to be fair, this person who went through the University of Phoenix uh, program had already achieved her degree and then some. <laughs> right. Uh, she, she had already taught in creative writing, which was her field, and she went through this degree. It sounded like um, mostly to get more uh, more computer experience since it was an online course. It seems like that was mostly her goal. And I think that she achieved that goal, um, but she just didn't didn't have the feeling that someone who was going through it for the creative writing experience would have gotten much of anything. Now, to be fair, we should also say that she expressed on on the very outset that she had a little bit of a bias against uh, online learning and that she felt that it's really hard to replace the experience of being face-to-face with professors and other students in a traditional learning environment. So let's, you know, she definitely did have already a kind of a preconceived idea. Now, whether or not that was based in, uh, you know, in, in fact or just uh, her, her, her own, own personal, I, I think that it was very much based in her own personal information because mm-hmm. there was a study done in 2009 by SRI International for the Department of Education that found that um, on average, online students performed better than face-to-face students in 99 quantitative studies of both K-12 through and college education courses. That's pretty incredible. I mean, that that tells a, a very strong story right there. So, um, all right. So we've got we've got the, the quality of the education itself seems to be pretty, uh, pretty rigorous. Like it's pretty good quality of the education for at least at least some of these schools. Well, well this this isn't necessarily talking about those for profit colleges, but 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 for online education in general, um, we want to make it really clear that if the online education is through a good school then it's probably fine. I mean, yeah. there, there are plenty of completely legitimate universities. Um, Duke University has an MBA program for people all over the world who you never have to set foot in a school, and it is it is very prestigious. So. And, and then there's also, I mean, this isn't for college credit, but there are also lots of resources out there where if you want to take a class from MIT, you can get access to all the coursework, you can get access to the lectures, you can follow... Uh, courses that are taught at MIT and other other colleges as well. I'm just using MIT as an example because mm-hmm. I've actually used that. I've used chemistry courses in MIT to help get a better understanding of chemistry. And obviously, I'm not getting any sort of credit toward that. I'm not going to get a degree in chemistry from MIT because I'm doing this. Right. But I get the benefit of that information and the expertise. Yeah, this is called continuing education. And, um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that... 
is harder to scam people on because you're not paying any money on the outset. Right, but yeah. It tends to be like MIT stuff is free. So most most universities will. That is that is a really good if you are just doing continuing education, it, you should probably not have to pay for that unless you are actually going into a brick and mortar. Right, right, right. Yeah, if you're actually paying for the mm-hmm. the facilities and the the textbooks and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, right. Um, but so if, if you are trying to look for um, for online education, you're wondering whether it's legitimate or not, there are a few really great resources that you can go to. Um, uh, you know, first is to just search with the Better Business Bureau, mm-hmm. um, which is at www.bbb.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, just, just type in a name. There's a lot of information out there about a lot of these scammers that we were talking about. Right. Keeping in mind that this is all based on what people have reported. There's, it's not like it's a governmental agency. It's not. No, no. But, um, but you know, if other people have had problems with this particular school, then that's probably a red flag. Um, you can also go to um, ope.ed.gov slash accreditation. Um, and uh, and use that to see whether th- this is a federal government website, a Department of Education website that's going to uh, list all of the all of the various um, accreditation bodies mm-hmm. report into it about the schools that they have accredited. Okay. And so, so, so this is a database of them. Right. So if, if the school you're looking at is not on that list, that's a huge red flag. That is a huge red flag. Even if the school is on the list, um, you, you know, just, just kind of, kind of think ahead, think as far ahead as possible. Try to check with other people in the industry, check with the universities that you might want to pursue a gradu- graduate degree from, and, and check and make sure that your classwork is going to transfer. Right. It will not always. And, and I've, you know, I think everyone knows someone who's had that problem. And it's, right, and it's, it's never a tragic fun. story. It is. Um, also, internationally, you can check with the Council for Higher Education Accreditation at um, www.chea.org. Awesome. So those are some great resources that people can use so that they can make sure that the money that they are going to dedicate toward their education actually goes to uh, a legitimate education. Right. Otherwise, you get an education in totally the wrong way. That's the school of hard knocks is what we call that one. All right. Well, we're going to start talking about jobs. But before we do, let's take a quick break. All right. So we've covered the education part of this conversation. Now let's talk about jobs. There's so much information out there, uh, not only about jobs that you can find online, but uh, jobs that you can perform through teleworking online uh, and also just information about jobs in general. And before I get into the the various kind of things you need to look out for. I thought I'd talk a little bit about some um, some interesting statistics I found. Right, because we're living more of our lives online, and so chances are, if you're applying for jobs, part of that process. Yeah, yeah, part of that process is a uh, this vetting process that people will give you, the job applicant, that uh, can sometimes uh, prevent you from landing that gig you wanted to land. Yeah. So so let's say that uh, I'm applying for. A position here at How Stuff Works. Turns out the people at How Stuff Works are what I like to call web savvy. I can't imagine. Yeah. So one of the things they might do, and by might, I mean one of the things I'm sure they do. Absolutely do. Assuming you've gotten far enough into the process. So your resume matches up what they are looking for and your cover letter doesn't have uh, incredible Terrible grammatical, grammatical errors in mm. it, um, and and you've you've followed all the instructions. By the way, if you ever do want to apply for a job at HowStuffWorks, follow the instructions. We know the person who looks at those. Yes, and the there's a very 
easy first step. If it doesn't follow the instructions, it doesn't go it doesn't into a file. Go it goes further. into the trash can. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you follow the instructions. What happens then? Well, they may be checking up on you on your various social networks. You know, if they'll, they'll take a look and see to make sure that the person who is uh, living their life is the same one who, who is, is represented on, this piece, on a piece of paper. Exactly. So a study commissioned by Microsoft called the Online Reputation in a Connected World discovered that about 79% of the employers or 79% of the employers who were who were surveyed conduct an online search of all applicants. 70% said they had turned down applicants by what they found online, but only 7% of job applicants were concerned about their online reputations. So oh that's a goodness. huge disconnect. Wow. Yeah, I'm that's that's something I'm I mean personally I'm very concerned about. I always I well, yeah, cuz I, I comment on them. Yeah. Also, well, I mean, you know, just I, I I feel like it's I guess it's not common sense, but I, you know, I try to really lock down my online presence and never say anything in public. Um, that I wouldn't want the public to hear. Yeah, I try to do the same thing, and most of the time it works, except when I get friends who decide to share stuff that wasn't meant for the general public. You know who you are. Anyway, uh, some of the reasons why the, the these employers did turn down applicants uh, included things like inappropriate comments by the candidate on their social profiles, uh, unsuitable photos and videos, Criticisms of previous employers. That's a huge no-no. People. Oh, yeah, yeah. Be very um, careful about that. Always, always be very, very polite about use, whoever you're working for. Use your filters. Mm-hmm. If you are going to use your filters and don't post to any kind of public forum, if you are going to grouse, I know that venting is important. So I'm not saying don't do it. Just be smart about it. Uh, also, uh, if you were to criticize former coworkers or clients, uh, and also, they found that even sometimes inappropriate comments left by friends and relatives of the person were enough for a company to turn that person oh, down, wow. which is that's really rough, right? Because I don't know about you, but I got a couple of jerk relatives who might leave a comment. Yeah, that if you I, have a public post and someone just comes in there and yeah, I don't have any control over them. I guess I could delete their comments. Which, you could or you like, could make the post not public in general. But yeah, uh, but I'm a public kind of guy. I like my laundry out there where everyone can see. But anyway, those are some statistics that I thought are interesting. So that that's just a good rule of thumb for anybody who is in the job market. Just know that yeah, you're... Yeah, keep in mind that, that if you can Google yourself, your employer can do the exact same thing. Yeah, so you want to make sure that that the stuff that your employer sees is going to have a, be a good representation of who you are. And it's not saying that you can't go out and have fun. Right, you just can't... Just be smart about it. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, now let's move on really to some of the the nastier scams that are out there because there are a lot. So again, like we were saying in the top of the show, people who have, like we were talking about the, the people who were uh, buying into that fake doctor who was saying that he was working towards cures for AIDS and cancer, things like that. They're very, very vulnerable emotionally. Same thing is true for people who are seeking jobs. They, whether it's your first job and you, you're just unsure because you're entering into a brand new world that you just don't have experience in. So it's, it's you don't scary. understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. it can be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Or you're someone who, I've been in this experience. You're someone who worked for a company for years and years and years and then suddenly found yourself back in the job market. And it had been years since you had to deal with that. Heck, when I got a job, the Internet was barely a thing. So, um, you know, that there are there are reasons why people are very vulnerable at this period. And so that makes that that just opens up the doors for scamming. Right. For scamming. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, people who scam don't really care. 
that the people that they're hurting are vulnerable. In fact, they they're, they're, they're counting on marks. It. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the most uh, uh, well-known scams out there is often referred to as payment forwarding or payment transfer scams. Uh, so the scam works this way. First of all, you, you get, let's say that you have put your resume up on a couple of job posting sites. So there are plenty of them out there. Some of them, uh, tend to be more rife with, uh, uh rapscallions than others. Uh, sure, but you know, in, in any, in any forum in which you're posting your profile publicly, you're going to get attention from yeah, from people who think they can take advantage of you, as well as people who may legitimately have something for you. I will say this, though. I think that the success rate of just posting your resume and then getting an opportunity is really low. That's like... We didn't we didn't pull statistics on this, and I've heard numbers ranging all over the place, but I but I believe it's less than 10% yeah, of people. Yeah, I've heard... I, the number I saw most frequently, although I was trying to find a very... A reputable source that could tell me. But the number I saw was 8%, which I don't have trouble believing, but because I could not find a reputable right. source, right. Uh, that may not be accurate. Yeah. I will say that I did find my very first job from an online job posting, but all but of my, the, but all of my jobs after that have come through, uh, networking. Networking. Yeah. Well, but your online job posting, were you responding to a job that had been posted? Yes. See, that's different than oh, if you okay, post right, your resume. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, someone hadn't contacted. Okay. Right. So, so, Payment forwarding tends to be that other way around, right? You, it's not that you are responding to a job posting. It's that someone has seen that you've posted your resume and they contact you. And they may contact you about a position uh, saying that this is an amazing opportunity. You're going to be able to make lots of money per month and you're going to be able to work from home. And there's uh, like there's it's just there's nothing to the job. It's just this is an opening and you're the perfect person and uh, the stars have aligned. Uh, all of this should be a red flag to you. Because again, if anything is too easy, if it seems too good to be true, it probably, probably is. is. So, uh, here's how the scam works. The scammer convinces the victim to hand over information that usually includes a bank, their bank account number. Uh, and they don't just clean out the scam, the victim. That would, that would be a scam that would be pretty easy to, to, you know, trace back and, and that would be a big problem for the scammer. No, instead what they do, is uh, they, they might tell the victim, like, oh, we need your bank account number because you're going to get paid in direct deposit. And that's the only way we pay you. That's also another red flag, by the way. If the employer says we only pay out by direct deposit, that's a red flag. Unless it's a government uh, agency and you are absolutely sure it's a legitimate government agency because a lot in the U.S. only pay through direct deposit. Sure. All right. So then they've got your bank account number what they then do will they'll transfer money into your account and your job is to then wire that money to some other account which is usually an offshore account and as part of that transaction you get to keep a, a certain, certain percentage, percentage of the money that was transferred into your account but here's the problem that money is from some form of illegal activity possibly stolen outright. So really what that victim is doing is they are committing theft and wire fraud because they've been tricked into being part of this. And the reason why it's done this way is so that if the law enforcement officials start to track the activity, they come after the victim. They're not coming after the scammer because the scammer has distanced him or herself away by at least one degree of separation by putting the victim as the, the fall guy. So the victim is 
as far as they know, doing something perfectly legitimate. They're just moving money around. Mm-hmm. But if you ask yourself the question, like, why do, why do they need me to do this? Why can't they just do this themselves, do themselves and then save the money on that transaction fee? Why would they need me to do it? Then it all starts That's to fall apart. That's because it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah, it's illegal and they don't want to get caught. They want you to get caught. Here's some general rules. Okay, so you should not give out your personal bank account or PayPal account or credit card numbers to an employer or potential employer. Especially not before you have already received the job. Right, yeah. And don't agree to have any funds or paychecks direct deposited to any of your accounts by a brand new employer, particularly if they say that's the only way that they give out payment. That's, like I said, a huge red flag. Uh, the U.S. government being... Uh, an exception, assuming that you can verify that it's a legitimate office, because there are scammers who will pose as, you know, legitimate business. But if you are to really examine them, you realize this guy yeah. is not on the up and up. Make sure that there's a phone number you can call that goes to an actual person. Make sure that the email has an actual registered domain that goes to whatever the organization is. And, and that it's not Hotmail.com. Yeah, or Yahoo.com. Or, unless it, unless you're applying for Yahoo. Right. In which case, that Difference. might be all right. Sure. Uh, even though those corporate... Uh, uh, emails will be different from just that anyway. So be careful. That's what we're saying. Also, don't uh, forward transfer or wire money to an employer. Like if, if part of the job involves you buying in to the employer first, that's a huge red flag. And uh, don't transfer money and retain a portion for payment because you're probably receiving stolen goods, stolen money. Uh, and use critical thinking. Any legitimate business that would have an employee wire money to some of their account would first conduct a really thorough background check on that person. I mean, you are essentially entrusting that person to send large amounts of money. Obviously, a, a, a thorough background check would have to happen if it was legitimate. If it's not legitimate, that's when they're like, well, we'd rather just go ahead and risk it because uh, we don't want to get caught. So if it seems like it's going through really smoothly, it's probably because it's not a legitimate business. Uh, there are other warnings as well. Uh, if the recruiter asks you for your social security number or to scan your ID, that's a red flag. Uh, if they're email, again, like the email address isn't part of the business, that's a red flag. Also, if, uh, if people send you an email about a job or there's a job posting and it's filled with misspellings and grammatical errors, that's a huge red flag. Um, and you know, I mean, hu- human error except accepted. But. Right. Yeah. If it's a typo, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if it's if it's but if the throughout, entire thing, yeah, yeah, that's a problem. And also, uh, I one thing I I would do is I would take uh, a string of text from that job posting and just put it into Google and do a search and see if that same job posting is popping up everywhere, because that's an indication that it's a net that's being spread out to catch as many victims as possible. In general, a quick Google search can can take care of all, can assume a lot of these fears. Right. So let's talk about some of the other scams. Like the, the payment forwarding is one of the most uh, uh, popular ones out there, but there are a lot of others. There's also one called postal forwarding. And this is where your job ends up being to receive shipments of goods, and then you are supposed to reship them to some foreign buyer, and you get a commission in return. And uh, and th- the way it starts to work is it seems like everything's on the up and up. You get stuff, you get money, you're you're sending it off. But again, this is a way to for the 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 scammer to hide illegal activity. The goods could be stolen. Uh, they could be the wrong thing. Like it could be that people are paying for one thing, but you're shipping out something else, and it's be- your address is on the return. Right. It's not the scammer's address. So again, when there when problems come up. The authorities come after you, not the scammer. So again, it's setting up that fall guy. 
So yeah, it could be again like stolen goods that are being fenced overseas. It's just a it's it's you know a scam through and through. Other scams you can run into are the old bait and switch. That's when you get a job posting and you go in and for an interview, and then when you get to the place where you're interviewing, you suddenly find out that the job you're interviewing for is not the one that was posted. Right. Um, and that could be that it's for a legitimate job that they just didn't have any way of filling and that you are not interested in, or it could be that it's part of a bigger scam. Um, there's also uh, fake check scams where the whole thing is that they'll they'll send you checks, and what you're supposed to do is use those checks to make purchases, and then you are supposed to send a check that's good for the the remainder. The remainder, right? So I get a check that's for fifteen hundred dollars, and I'm told to purchase this one computer, but the computer only costs twelve hundred. So I use that check to try and purchase this computer. Meanwhile, I'm sending off a check back to the scammer for three hundred dollars. So the difference, right? Only the check they gave me is a bad check, and it eventually bounces. And Mm -hmm. so then I'm out $300 plus whatever the cost is for trying to process a bounced check. And the scammer has my money and runs away. And disappears. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, however, I might have a – have to have a computer in the bargain for a short while before I have to return it. Um, yeah, it's not great, right? I mean, you, and if you had to, if you shipped off whatever it was you bought, then the scammer gets both of the money and the, the item. So that's one to look out for. Anytime they're asking you to make purchases on behalf of them, and especially if you're spent sending money back to them, that's a huge, huge red flag. So what should you do? Oh, and oh, I, I gotta talk about this kind of scam too. There's also this thing called multi-level marketing. I do not think that I've heard about that one. Multi-level marketing, uh, one, you've heard about one subgroup of multi-level marketing. It's called a pyramid scheme. Oh, okay. So this is, multi-level marketing is like a, alright, so you, in, a, in a traditional sales role where you're working on commission, you have a salesperson who is selling some sort of goods or services and, uh, they get money every time they make a successful sale. Sure. Right? Glengarry Glen Ross, real estate, in Florida that you should never buy. But otherwise, you know, it could be anything. And it could be completely legitimate. There's nothing illegitimate about that other than the fact that, you know, some people take advantage of this and also it can drive people to desperation depending upon the goods that they're trying to sell. Multi-level marketing adds another element to this, which is that when you recruit people to come into the organization and sell stuff, you get money not only for recruiting, but you get a percentage of their of sales their as well. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, some people go so far as to say all multi-level marketing uh, strategies are essentially pyramid schemes, no matter what you call them. Uh, others are uh, say, no, there are legitimate ways of doing this. But one thing does appear to be true, which is that the more it depends upon that, that bring people in and uh, you will get some of their money, the more it depends on that, the more likely the whole thing is going to collapse once you have reached saturation and you cannot bring more people in. And then once it collapses, the only people who are left holding anything at all are the ones who are at the top of the pyramid. Right. Everyone else suffers as a result. So that's something else to look out for. If it's one of those things where, you know, you go through this whole process and they're going to train you up and then you find out that you're going door to door to recruit people to be part of something bigger, that's more of an indication that this is probably something that you don't want to be a part of. Right. Uh, now, what do you do if you fall victim to a scam? <laughs> I, I took this list from uh, from a website that was all about uh, consumer alert, uh, uh, consumer awareness of this sort of stuff, and their suggestions are pretty drastic, and and they 
they're not easy things to do. So uh, I'm going to go through the list, but keep in mind, like th- this is if you've fallen victim to a scam, this might be necessary for you to be able to get your life back mm-hmm. on track because p- scammers can do massive damage to you and your online presence and your financial stability. Over- overall, what we're saying is that it's much better to never give people your social security number, your bank account, any any personal information that is highly sensitive like that until after you have signed a whole lot of paperwork that hires you into the organization. And you and you have and you, you have, are reasonably confident that the organization's on the up and up. Yes. Yeah, and you know, talk to other people who are in that organization and all that kind of stuff and and do research on it before because otherwise this is what you got to do. Close all bank accounts at the bank where the scam took place. So if you have more than one bank account, if you've got a savings account and a checking account, you got to close both of them. It's a good idea to change banks completely and try so that you can avoid any sort of social engineering attempts that the scam folks do. Uh, social engineering, that of course is when someone comes up and says, hey, you know, I work for such and such. I just need that password so I can get into this system or, you know, anything along those lines. It's really, it's all about manipulating people to get access to a secure system. Um, so you, you close all those bank accounts, order a credit report from all three, this is for the U.S., for all three credit bureaus. Uh, every couple of months and watch for unusual activity. And as soon as you see any, you have to start reporting fraud alerts. So that's fun. Uh, I've had to do that personally when I had a card stolen. So that was fantastic. Uh, identity theft is all over the place. Uh, if you are a victim of a payment forwarding scam, you should contact Secret Service because that's the agency that handles this sort of stuff in the United States. Now, a lot of us think of the Secret Service as the the bodyguards for the, for president. the president and the president's family and former presidents, but they handle international fraud as well. Uh, any You should also uh, file a police report with your local law enforcement. Uh, officials, and you should report the company name, the job posting, and all contact names to the job sites where that scam was posted. So, uh, whether that's you know Monster.com, CareerBuilder, all those kind of sites, you need to alert them Tell to them say mm-hmm, to take um, that posting down. Yeah, and you should close all email addresses that were associated with that job fraud. <sighs> yeah, then you have to send them a message to everyone I'm like, "Hi guys, hey, you know, I used so- to have this uh, email address. I don't use it anymore." Yeah, it's it's ugly stuff. So of course the best strategy is don't get involved don't get in it. Don't get yeah. scammed. Uh which, you know, it's easy to say in in hindsight, but knowing this stuff ahead of time gives you the the tools you need to be able to avoid it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the stuff that does work. I don't want this all to be doom and gloom about, you know, oh, it's great. I well, was just getting into the job market and now I feel like there's no way to succeed. That's not true. Uh, however, one of the things that has kind of come to light is that networking is probably the most important skill you can have when you're in uh, the job market. You know, talking to friends, to family, to to fellow students if you got out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining um, professional groups and meeting up that way. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, there were – I remember I went to a an organization that was all about developing things like resumes and cover letters uh, when I needed to find a job. And that helped me form relationships with other people that led to uh, some, some actual progress in my job search. Uh, this was years ago, but it still applies today. Um, the Impact Group did a survey, and they found that the most effective method was networking. They, that came in at 34%. And that the second most effective was finding an online job posting and responding to it. That had a 26% success rate. 
Um, and then behind that became uh, the importance of getting a referral from within the organization. So someone who already works there who knows you. Right. Like that, you know, full disclosure, uh, there's someone who worked at How Stuff Works who knew me and that got, that got me, uh, 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 some attention. It didn't. Right, right, it didn't get know. me hired because she it wasn't. Least, she didn't have a management position at that time. But. Sure, but it, it, it at least gets your gets your your so called foot in the door. It gets someone who is not a robot to read your resume and uh, take it into extra special consideration. Right. It, de- it definitely didn't guarantee me a job. The the standards here are quite high, and I, I had to really work hard to land it. But that helped because it was one of those things where instead of being in a huge pile. Of resumes, I was in a slightly smaller pile of resumes, but that happens a lot. And they also found that the next most successful way of getting a job, nine percent of the time, was uh, getting a referral from outside the company. But it was apparently, uh, you know, a high enough person from outside the company in another position that was okay, a respectful so, so amount. Another industry yeah. person who could say, yeah, yeah, this guy knows his stuff. You should hire him. Like mm-hmm. we're not hiring, but you should totally hire this guy or this woman or whatever. And so it's interesting to see that. I mean, it, apparently networking is particularly important for high paying jobs. So, uh, I mean, that makes sense too, in the sense that, you know, if it's a, if it's a high paying job, it's a high level position, uh, I think a lot of people really respond more to that person to person interaction about, hey, you know, this guy seems like a great guy as opposed to a piece of paper. Sure. Especially when you start seeing some very, very high ranking people, uh, fibbing a bit on their resume. I mean, we've all heard about, you know, yeah, you can, fudge a little bit here and there. Uh-huh. But, and, and, you know, not to the extent necessarily of getting one of those fake diplomas, but... Yeah, uh, Scott Thompson, Yahoo CEO, had to step down after there was the scandal that right. he had included fake credentials on his resume, which really said that he had a degree that he did not possess. So networking is really important, with, no matter what the position level, but if it's a, a higher paid position, particularly important. Also, research the companies you are applying to. Research them thoroughly. I had a friend who uh, got a, a, a job offer from a company, and she asked me to look into it because she thought that something wasn't quite right. And when I did research, it was a company that was supposedly uh, managing various uh, uh, um, uh, real estate properties uh, throughout the city of Atlanta. And it was giving these weird addresses. And I was like, I don't even know that the street goes that far. And I would I started going to Google Maps and searching. And some of the addresses were completely fake. Some of them were real, but there was a totally different building at that address than the one that was on the website. And worse yet, I, I took a block of the text from there and did a search and found identical websites in different cities that use the exact same language but different addresses claiming to be this, this company that was hiring on people. Oh, so it was wow. a total scam. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what specific scam they were trying to pull, mm-hmm. but it was but it obviously was not legit. Yeah, not yeah. legit. So do your research and also, Use social networking in a, in a smart way. So not only are you, do you want to put forth your best self on social networks, use them to help try and network with people, find out what's out there, ask questions, be genuine. Right, right. right. 
and uh, use things like LinkedIn. There are more and more companies that are actually using LinkedIn, and there are more people who use LinkedIn who will, if they hear that you are in need of a job, they will they'll look at their their contacts and see is there someone out there, is there some position out there this person would be a good fit mm-hmm. for, and participate in conversations. You know, it's you can't you can't expect something out of a network if you're not putting anything back in. Right, and uh, I remember reading some. Uh, it was in a CNN article, as I recall. There was some throwaway statistic, and again, I don't know what study this came from. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. But they said that the average American when hunting for a job would spend 40 minutes a day doing it while spending three and a half hours watching TV. Huh. Wow. So that obviously also prioritize. Yes. <laughs> prioritize huh. your job search. So uh, yeah, if you follow these, then you are more likely to avoid the pitfalls and find success. Uh, a lot of this stuff I learned the hard way when I was searching for a job because like I said, I was out of the job market for so long that the the search method had changed dramatically when I needed to look for it again. And uh, and maybe as time goes on, both online education and the jobs that we can get access to online will evolve and become more robust and become more reliable. Um, that, that's probably going to be the case. But right now, it's still this it's transition. still this kind of weird, yeah, weird middle period. Yeah, this, the whole Wild West thing. The same sort of stuff we saw with businesses, you know, 15, 20 years ago. We're starting to see now in education and jobs in general, uh, and and like I said, you know, once once you get through all the 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 stuff that you should be ignoring, there are things out there that are worth paying attention to. So don't get discouraged. Just make sure you use critical thinking, and and just be careful because you know this is your life, and yeah. you don't want to you don't want to sit there and say, wow, there were like three years of my life that I really regret because I, it was just this this scam I fell into. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's our advice to you. If you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, things that we you think we need to uh, to tackle, you have a particular concern, or maybe there's a there's a gadget you've always wanted to know more about, or a company that you think is really cool, let us know. Send us a message. You can contact us by our email address that is techstuff at discovery.com, or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there with the handle Tech stuff hsw and lauren and i will talk to you again really soon for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com 